So more thanks to Jeremy and his team. And so the little plug advertisement that they did not ask me to do, but if you liked that offertory, it's actually part of a CD called Christmas Tides. You can stream it anywhere that you might stream music, or you can buy the physical CD in our Giving Tree bookstore. Again, they did not ask me to do that, but I just think it's wonderful. Yeah. They, oh, yay. Yay. <laughs> My royalty check's coming in. No, I'm just kidding. So anyway, anyway, so last week, I know that Pastor Andy, during his sermon, talked about how much he had been preparing and how much he was excited for Christmas coming up, talking about it super duper early, preparing for it super duper early. And so that's true. I've seen it firsthand, but I, I go back and forth on this, but I have to say that I might be worse. If I am not worse than Pastor Andy, I am at least co-equal to him in the passion for Christmas. So I, too, have had Christmas on my mind for a very long time, a lot earlier than it's probably socially appropriate to have it on my mind. And so getting the house ready for Christmas is this huge event that involves my whole family. So the decorations have been up inside my house since the first week of November. And so putting that, yeah, yeah, I'm one of those people. And so putting them up is this whole event that involves my whole family. And this year, my four-year-old even got in on it, helping us put the non-fragile ornaments on the Christmas tree. And so don't judge me that it goes up so early. I am a pastor. December is stressful enough. Moving it to November gives me joy and makes December easier. I invite you. Try it. So we were kind and we waited until after Thanksgiving to do the outside stuff. We didn't bother anybody else with doing it that early. But we love our outdoor decorations. They're not as impressive as other people's, but we're very excited about it. So my son will brag about his flatables. You know, not inflatables, but flatables to anyone who will listen. So go ahead, ask him about it the next time you see him. And so I love seeing the faces of strangers who are driving through our neighborhood, looking at lots of houses on our street that are decorated and seeing their joy and their faces light up because it makes all the work worth it. But getting to the point of all this, taking that time and that effort to make all of this happen and make all the decorations happen, it it doesn't just magically happen. We don't just say, I want to have a decorated house and it just happens, or I want to put Christmas lights up outside and it doesn't happen in a few hours. It's a long process. All of it takes work. All of it takes preparation. All of it takes getting ready to do. And so we know, we all know, that is the true for any, any, any of the Christmas traditions and preparations that we might do together. Those cute matching pajamas that I see some families do, they don't just happen. Someone has to plan them and buy them. When you see families volunteering together, ringing the bell for the Salvation Army, that doesn't just happen. Some brave soul says, okay, this is the date. I'm going to wrangle all the family together, and now we're going to do it. When we see those cute little Christmas dance recitals or cute little Christmas pageants, those don't just happen. There's teachers with the patience of saints which practice over and over and over again with little kids to make those programs magical. 
it takes preparation and it takes work. None of it happens on its own. And so in this series, Getting Ready, we're exploring that the idea of just as Christmas Eve in our own lives, in our own ways that we celebrate and have fun doesn't just happen. Well, Christmas Eve, that story in the Bible didn't just happen either. We didn't teleport right to the baby in the manger. Jesus wasn't just born out of nowhere. We didn't just jump right to the stable. In fact, there's all these people, all these characters, all, in fact, these family members of Jesus who were part of the story, part of this intentional prep work that went into making the story happen. When God came to be with us at Christmas... These people said yes, and they were part of this grand story, part of making that happen, parts of getting everything ready. And God allowed them to come alongside and be part of this grand miracle and this grand story. And so as Pastor Andy began to share last week, one of the couples of this story is Zechariah and Elizabeth. This couple that were told that they were too old to have kids and Elizabeth had been barren for all of her life. Zechariah, the guy who was this super high up religious official, he was praying in the temple when he got the news that after all these years, Elizabeth was finally, finally pregnant. And what happens? He doesn't believe it. And because of his unbelief, he loses his voice. And so in our scripture passage for today, we see the story continue on. When the time came for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a boy. Her neighbors and relatives celebrated with her because they had heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. On the eighth day, it came time to circumcise the child. They wanted to name him Zechariah because it was his father's name. But his mother replied, no. His name will be John. They said to her, none of your relatives have that name. They began gesturing to his father to see what he wanted to call him. So a few things to unpack here. So first on the positive side, we see that all these relatives were in on the miracle. They saw how big of a deal this was. The fact that Elizabeth was barren for all these years, that she was so advanced in age, and yet here was a baby. They saw this big deal, and so they were surrounding them with love and support and well wishes. It's a beautiful thing. Why wouldn't they? But then there's another dynamic to this story. One that can be painfully familiar for some of us, and you'll get where I'm going here. So they tried to silence Elizabeth, the woman, about her own child. They tried to mansplain to Elizabeth what her child's name should be. So they tried to tell her, this is what your baby's name should be, like she didn't already know. She had to put her foot down and stand up for herself that, no, his name is John. I told you, listen to me. She believed in the miracle. Again, when we look back in the narrative, we see how much easier, how much sooner. They both wrestled. They both had their doubted. But Elizabeth came to this conclusion quicker. She didn't lose her voice. And how strong her faith was. She knew that baby's name was John. 
And yet, the folks didn't believe her. Some of us have been there and done that and got the t-shirt with this dynamic. Yeah. So anyway, the well-wishers with their good intentions make a classic move here. They look to the husband. They look to the man to see what his response is going to be. And so here is what he does. After asking for a tablet, he surprised everyone by writing, His name is John. At that moment, Zechariah was able to speak again, and he began praising God. All their neighbors were filled with awe, and everyone throughout the Judean highlands talked about what had happened. All who heard this, heard about this, considered it carefully. They said, what then will this child be? Indeed, the Lord's power was with him. So this was a huge moment of change for Zechariah and one that we do not need to miss. Because there are many layers here. So Zechariah showed at this moment that he believed fully in the miracle. He believed fully in what the angel had told him. He believed in the name John and that that was important. And he believed in and publicly supported his wife. And he chose being faithful to God over using and continuing his own name. Because here's something interesting. I found out in reading through some commentaries. So in this time and in this culture, it was tradition if the baby was going to be named after anybody, it wasn't necessarily the parent. It was the grandparent. That is a name that you would use, the grandparent. So these well-wishers were even saying, well, let's use your name, Zechariah. Maybe it was because of his advanced age. Maybe they thought, well, you're old enough to be a grandparent, so let's use your name. Maybe it was because of this important status he had in the community as a religious official. The great Zechariah, let's use this name. They wanted, whatever the case was, to make sure that the baby was named after him. And so the opportunity and the temptation to take that was right there in front of him. But Zechariah said no and stayed faithful to God's call and God's command instead. And so by doing that, he played this huge role in preparing the way for Jesus. Zechariah became father to John the Baptist, a pivotal piece in our Advent narrative. The John the Baptist, you may have heard of him, the prophet in the wilderness declaring the way of the Lord. The guy who actually baptized Jesus before Jesus went out on his public ministry. By denying himself, Zechariah got to be the father to making all of these important steps possible. He got to be a part of bringing John the Baptist into the world who announces the kingdom of God, subverts all our expectations, and helps point us to the person of Jesus and the kingdom of God. And so in return for all his faithfulness, for being obedient, Zechariah gets his voice back. And so he uses it immediately to start praising God. We get this beautiful song of praise out of Zechariah, one that prophesies what is to come. One that helps us, the reader, to see what is going to come down the line in Jesus' story. 
Zechariah goes on to say, bless the Lord God of Israel, because he has come to help and has delivered his people. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in his servant David's house, just as he has said to the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation through the mouths of his holy prophets long ago. He has brought salvation from our enemies and from the power of all those who hate us. You, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way. You will tell the people how to be saved through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's deep compassion, the dawn from heaven will break upon us. To give light to those who are sitting in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide us on the path of peace. The child grew up, became strong in character. He was in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. And so in all of this, Zechariah got his voice back. And what's crazy is he did not use it for himself. He didn't even use it necessarily to start out with to brag about how Jesus or how God had made him a father. Zechariah instead used his voice to tell about God. He chose to use his voice to share about what Advent and share about what Christmas is all about. How his son John would be a prophet for God and how he would spend his life preparing the way of the Lord. And that all of this preparation would matter deeply and truly because Jesus would grow up to change people's lives for the better. Compassion and peace and light and salvation will come to those in darkness, those in need. All because of the preparation of John. All because of the openness, of the faithfulness of his parents, of this family. The humility of Zechariah through his changed heart and through his attitude. All of that allowed them to come, be the people that came alongside, to be part of the story that changed the world. And so the gift of Advent comes to us in this generous gift of grace, in the incarnation of Christ. And so that gift, we can in turn, and we should in turn, Share that gift of grace with the world. We can come alongside. We can get ready. We can open ourselves up to this gift of grace too. And so what if that is in fact how we saw ourselves and how we engaged with the world? We say that Advent is a season of preparation A season of preparing our hearts and preparing our minds for the coming of the Christ child. And as United Methodists, as Wesleyans, we see grace as something, not just something that God brings to us. Not just grace as something that's made possible in Jesus Christ, but something that we actively participate in. Not just something we get, but something that we do. So Wesley, who was the founder of Methodism, coined this idea, sanctifying grace. It's this idea that we grow in grace because grace is a lifelong process. We engage in these things like loving God, loving neighbor, spiritual practices, because we are growing in that grace to be more like 
Christ. And so in this Advent season, as we are preparing for the birth of Christ yet again, as we are getting ready for Christmas in our own personal lives and all the ways and means that are special to us and our families, may we also remember to get ready to prepare ourselves to keep growing in that grace too. This is also a season for us to focus on the ways that we can be more like Christ. The ways that we can come alongside the story too to help change this world for the better like Zechariah and like Elizabeth did. So for my family, part of the getting ready during Christmas, we like to visit some of the theme parks in the area and what they do for the holidays. It's one of the things we really like about this area. And so this year we saw A Wondrous Night at SeaWorld for the first time. And I'm sorry to ruin the plot for it for you here. But the whole story revolves around the animals. You see them as puppets. But the animals in the nativity story arguing with each other about which was the most important the night Jesus was born. So was it the donkey who carried the royal holy family into Bethlehem? Or was it the dove who reminded everyone that the dove reminded the innkeeper that he had a stable out back for the Holy Family to go into? Or was it the sheep that cuddled with baby Jesus when he was sad and he was crying and he was cold and comforted Jesus and kept him warm? Or was it the camel who brought the magi in, those outsiders in, to see the Holy Family and deliver those gifts from afar? So, after lots of arguing, lots of wonderful song and dance numbers, the animals in the play come to a realization. That they realize that this arguing about who is the most important is missing the whole point. Instead, their conversation should be about a celebration of all the ways that they served. Because that is the point of Christmas that the play determines It's the way that we serve and we care for one another. I would extend it by saying it's the way that we extend grace and embody grace to one another. The way that the donkey was willing to carry another when they couldn't walk any further on their own. The way the dove helped an innkeeper look for a solution when it seemed like there was none. When the sheep gave the gift of presents in a less than ideal situation and brought comfort. When the camel helped bring those insiders Um, outsiders in to the Holy Family, to the Christ child. In all of this, we see that illustration. It's not about us. It's not about which one of us is the most important or serves in the best way. It's about finding our way to serve and finding our way to engage with the story over and over and over again. It is through that we grow in grace. It is through that we prepare ourselves. It is through that we get ready. It is through that we grow to be more like Christ. So a beautiful example of that comes from Meg, who sings with us um, in the current collective. So her daughter, Aniston, recently celebrated a Star Wars-themed birthday party, which is very on-brand for her. But after the party was over, she found herself with some gift cards and some cash. And so naturally, her parents asked her, well, what do you want to do with it? And so her response was that she wanted to buy Christmas gifts for her brother and her sister 
using the money. So Meg says that Aniston took this whole process very, very seriously. She was very deliberate in her selection, making the best gift selection possible, things that they would really like. And throughout this whole process, her parents reassured her, like, if you want to spend any of the money on yourself, you can. It's your birthday money. You can get something for yourself if you want to. And this was her response. If, if there is money left over at the end, I will get myself something. She was determined to think of herself last. She was determined to serve and show kindness and generosity to her siblings. And so I think this example from a child reminds us what grace looks like when we participate in it. That determination to do something kind for someone else. That determination to make a positive difference in God's world to be part of the story. That insistence to show kindness to someone else. So when we engage in serving others and giving to others and seeking to be a part of God's story, those are means in which we grow in grace. The gift of Advent is God's grace given to us in Christ Jesus. And so we grow in that grace by sharing it with others. By serving and caring not only during this season, but year-round. So I encourage us all to be thinking of the ways and the means in which we can share that grace and serve others during this season. So maybe it is by using these invite cards to invite someone to engage with us here at the church. Whether that's inviting them to the Advent Love Feast next Sunday to find fellowship and to find a good meal Maybe it's inviting them to Blue Christmas this week so they can find comfort and hope in the midst of their grief. Maybe it's inviting them to a candlelight Christmas Eve service so that way, that way they can experience the hope and the joy of the Christmas story. Or maybe for you, you're looking for a specific way to serve. Maybe it's ringing the bell for the Salvation Army. Maybe it's packing with Kids Pack next year. Maybe you want to engage with our adopted neighborhood. We're having a service day on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Or there's tons more opportunities. You can look in your bulletin, look online, or talk with me. I'd love to help you find your place to connect. But however you feel called to find that next step, to find that place to serve another Find that place to grow in grace this Advent season. May we all feel encouraged, called, challenged to do it. Zechariah and Elizabeth, they got this powerful privilege to be part of this story that changed the world. And even today, God allows us to have our own small ways, our own small pieces that do make a difference to making a difference in God's world today too. So may we be faithful To say yes. Friends will you close with me in prayer. So God of Advent. We thank you for the story. Of Elizabeth. And Zechariah and John. And the faithfulness. Of their stories. May we feel encouraged. Empowered and challenged. To go forth. And do likewise. Sharing your hope. And your love and your grace with this world. Amen. So friends, we thank you for worshiping with us today. We hope that it was meaningful for you.
And so we want to remind you we have these invite cards here at the front. And so you might invite someone else to be a part of this meaningful experience with us for the next couple of Sundays and beyond. But as we prepare to go from this place, may you hear the benediction. May you know the love and the grace that came to us in Advent and the gift of that Christ child. That's something that we share with the world. A story that we get to participate in by serving others. So may we go forth to love and to serve the Lord by serving others. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.